So I had a little intro um, because a couple of new people are coming, um, but I'll I'll go into that. So we're doing this chapter at the moment, action. It's quite important because um, if we know how to act, then life is meaningful. Does anyone have any questions on action? We're all acting from the time we're born, morning we wake up, we're all acting. How do we know what's the right way to act? So, um, because we've had a few weeks break, I'm just going to go over the summary of the chapter. So how do we know what is the right way to act? So you may say, it depends on the goal. What's my goal? I'll act towards my goal. To achieve that goal. We gave this example, you want to be fit and healthy. The goal is fit and health. So you will accordingly put in the right action to try and achieve that goal. <coughs> right food, exercise. So any action that, you, that doesn't take you to that goal is not the right action for you. Correct? So the intellect sets the goal, then you perform the right action to achieve it. The mind will start taking you in a different direction if it doesn't like it. Because it has its own likes and dislikes. Definitely. So this is how action works. We all do it, so we all know. Yes? Any questions on that? This is action. Intellect sets a goal, you follow it, the mind comes in and messes about. If you're steadfast, the intellect is strong, you'll achieve your goal. If not, then it'll be more difficult. So, so we perform action throughout our life. We must never stop. We must never retire from action. Where does action come from? Desire. Vasanas. Desire. Vasanas. Desire. In between there's thought. Vasanas, thought, desire, action. So action is prompted by desire. The body acts directed either by the mind or the intellect. Without action there is no life. You're dead when you die, there is no action. It's quite straightforward. So we're all born with vasanas, so therefore action is inevitable. Why are all humans different in nature? Why are all humans different? This is just a summary of what we've covered so far. Because they have different vasanas. Different vasanas. That's why they're all different. Everyone acts based on their vasanas, their inherent nature. That's why everyone is different. So, according to the scriptures, the ideal way to work is what? How to perform ideal action. Yeah. 
Any idea? Just do what you ought to do. Don't worry about the results. Do what you ought to do? Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about the results. One more. You're both right. Without ego. Without ego, absolutely. Set your mind on a higher, a higher ideal, beyond your, beyond your ego. Then do what you ought to do. Don't worry about the results. Beyond one's own selfish interests. How does the ego manifest in everyone? How does the ego manifest? I. You've been studying. I am the doer. I alone exist. I am superior. This is the ego. You know, you do, you, you, the thought comes in your mind, I'm better than that person. You know, I did that. You may not say it, but in your mind you think it. Without me, that couldn't have happened. This is natural. Everyone's, everyone has an ego in, in various proportions. This is normal. This is the ego. That's it. When you have those thoughts, that's the ego. So we need to act in the right way. Whatever knowledge we gain, we have to put it into action, otherwise it's pointless. And don't worry about the result. Why not worry about the result, Raj? <coughs> what happens if you worry about the result? You can't. You can't perform correctly. You can't perform. You can't focus on the action that you're trying to perform because your mind is thinking of the result. When the mind is on the result, it's not on the action. So your action suffers. You're making food. You're worried. How will it taste? How will it come out? What will people think? Will they like it? Won't they like it? You're worried all about all that. You're missing out on some of the masala. You're missing out on. Isn't it? But it's a natural process that you're going to think like that because but you this want is it. To, the product to be uh, perfect. Absolutely. But what we're saying is you're not able to act perfectly because, because you're thinking of something in the future, you're not able to put in the right action in the present. And if you don't put in the right action, how can the result be good? But even knowing that, so it's difficult to put in practice. But you have to put that in practice. That you have to concentrate on what you're doing. Yeah. Because you're not giving 100%. And if you're not giving 100%, the result is not going to be 100%, is it? If you miss out on black salt, then how is the food going to taste nice? I know you're saying it's naturally the mind does this. Yeah. This is why we're talking about yeah. it. That's the mind does this. Yeah. But we're saying that we need to control that. This is what we're saying. So everyone does this. Yeah, it's mindfulness, isn't it? Sometimes you think about yes. something else, but you're cooking, and then you think, it's so automatic. Cook? You're cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Did I put this or did yeah. I put that? So we just, I mean, cooking is just one thing. What about if you're driving? <coughs> yeah, cooking. Okay, less, less salt is fine. You know. Yeah. <laughs> what if you're driving? Yeah, you have to concentrate. Yeah, if your mind is somewhere else, you see, passage, or someone walks across, you might miss a person. So, it's all in all aspects of your life. Try and just focus on what you're doing. Don't worry about the future. The future hasn't happened yet.
You focus on the present. You know, we gave that example of a cricketer. He is playing beautifully. He reaches 99. Why does he get out at 99? Because he's worried, will I get the 100 or not? So he can't focus on that next shot. Same thing. doesn't matter who you are. He can't concentrate. So the Gita says, don't let the anxiety for enjoying the fruit disturb the course of your action. Fruit meaning the result. If Arjuna was worried about all the all his cousins and uncles where who he is gonna fight, how can he fight? He has to take it out of his mind. That's why he couldn't fight him, because he had all that in his mind. Then Krishna said, Don't worry about that, just focus on the action. Then he won the war. So you want to have the perfect meal, you want to drive perfectly, just focus on what you're doing now. That's what they're saying. Work for work's sake, work becomes a pleasure. As soon as you attach a selfish motive, it becomes a burden. So, enjoy the work. Don't just enjoy the result. Enjoy whatever you're doing, they're saying. That should be pleasurable. The work itself should be pleasurable. Otherwise you spend four hours working, ten minutes of uh, uh, the fruit. What's the point? You may as well enjoy working as well. You have to work, so why not enjoy it? Why don't look at it as a burden? So then we talked about the chronology of action. We already know this. What is the chronology of action? We already said it today. What's the chronology of action? Desire, thought. The other way around. Oh. <laughs> thought. No. Vastness. Which manifests as thoughts, that manifests as desires, which then manifests as action. So you can say vasana is action. So every human is different because of their vasanas. The vasanas create the different individual nature that everyone is. Good, bad, selfish, unselfish, spiritual, non-spiritual, Devotional, all due to the individual asanas. Do we understand this person? Why is he like this? Asanas. Otherwise, we think, why is he like this? Well, no one taught him how to behave. Why does he behave like this? We start criticizing. But if we understand that's that's asanas, then it's finished. We're not worried about anything. Everyone is different. Isn't it? Right now we don't know, so therefore we spend waste our time agitated. Why is someone else behaving in a different way? <laughs> it could be kids, it could be family members, colleagues at work. So we know, understand. His vasanas, she's, her vasanas is like that. Then it's finished. You don't have to need to worry any further. Correct. <coughs> Otherwise, they're behaving normally. Agitate, we're agitated. Why is he behaving that way? And I'm agitated now. <laughs> it's, it's silly. <laughs> huh? It's silly, isn't it? Your brother behaves in a particular way, why are you agitated? That's his vastness. So 
practice, so it's a good understanding to have this. <coughs> it helps us deal with life. Can I ask? Yeah. So sometimes actions, you might want to act in a particular way, but circumstances don't allow you to act in the way that you ideally want to act. Mm. So for example, uh, a fam head of the family working to put food on the table, educate the children, and have a roof over the head. Although he's got the vastness to do so much more, he has to concentrate on what he's got to do now, and therefore can't actually act on his desires, but he's actually forced into like people in poverty, for example, are forced to act to just get food on the table. Mm. So they they almost don't have a choice of action. They just act because they know they have to do this for their family. And it's not that they're fulfilling any desire as such. So who created the family? Whose desire was it? How can they not be feeling full, fulfilling their desire? Whose desire was it to have a family? So the child in that family is born. Yeah. Yeah. Had no choice in being born, but was yeah. born, and wants to wants to go to school and be educated, but can't afford to, and has to go and work. Mm -hmm no control over his desire or wanting to educate because he's got to provide for the family now as well because he's the eldest. Mm -hmm. He's got no choice in that action. He has got a choice. But his obligation, there's a difference between his choice and his obligation. That's the difference. It may not be his choice to go to work and, f um, get f and bring money in, but that's his obligation. His parents have brought him in the world. He feels obligation to the fa family that he's able to work. His parents may not be able to work. There's an obligation of duty. He may then have an opportunity to go and study. If he's got a strong enough desire, he will go and study afterwards if his desire is that strong. But there is a difference between desire and obligation. We may desire to do many things, but what's our obligation? And everything we've created, who's, who's created it? We have. We have created this environment. We have created all the baggage. No one else. You can say, well, I had no choice. I was born to this family. But your past actions, which we're covering, has created you to be, uh, be born in this environment. Cause and effect. So there's a... You can never say that, why can this person in this situation? Because you don't know his past. You understand? Everyone understands what yeah. is asking. Does that answer your question? So this is the next, uh, where do vastness come from? This is the next summary. Where do vastness come from? The current vastness you are right now, where does it come from? 
Yes. Past action. Whatever you have done in the past has brought you to this stage right now. And whatever you do now will in the future be your vasanas. Whatever you desire now will be your future vasanas. Your past actions in this life and even from the past lives is what is where, what is you're made up right now. And that's manifesting as your nature right now. So we can say that vasanas is the cause, action is the effect. Hmm? Because of the vasanas, this is the effect, the action you're performing right now, correct? Also, we can say the actions is the cause and vasanas is the effect. So vasanas is the effect of your action right now. Whatever action you do right now is the cause of your future vasanas. It's like tree and seed. Seed grows into a tree. The tree, the seed is given out again and another tree is born. Cause and effect. Chicken and egg. Similarly, whatever you do now, future. So now you know this, you may think, oh, what am I doing right now? I have to deal with, deal with it in the future. That's why the Gita says, how are you acting? Do you know what you're doing? Why are you doing? Do you know who's going to have to deal with the effects? You are. Can't get away with it, yeah? Can't get away with anything. How does that work with the thought process? Because you can think of something and not act upon it, but the idea is you're still thinking of it. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Is it enough <laughs> to go into that yeah, lesson? Yeah. Swami, uh, last, uh, last class, yeah, yeah, uh, last class I read, I just deleted it this morning, but last class I read, That's not fair. Swami Tapavan said, and it's in the book, you can read it, even the fact that you're thinking it, just because you're not acting on it, your thought is and there. And it's not your desire, isn't it? Where did it come from Because then? you're not acting upon it. It's just it's a passing thought, because, you know, the mind is so fickle. This it has is all these thoughts. And <laughs> but even the thought... You think it, I want to kill that person. And you really think it, really think it, you know. And you start thinking, how would I kill him? Yeah, but if you know? you're just thinking <laughs> it and it passes, then what? You may not do the action, but the fact that you're thinking it, your mind is impure. So what, what are you thinking? What thoughts are you entertaining? This is the purification. The body just acts. It's like you can say, the car ran over that guy. Who was driving? car cannot run over on its own. My body killed him. <laughs> no, but that's different because you can see the guy running across, so you're not going to... But what I'm saying is the thought is there. The fact that you haven't acted is, doesn't, doesn't mean you get away with it. <laughs> so where, where are your thoughts? This is what they say. Where are your thoughts? You could go mad. We are all mad, aren't we? <laughs> no, but as in literally, because really, it, it, 
like in a work environment, not everybody is going to be the same mindset. So we do, we all have different fasteners, and you're not necessarily going to get on with everybody. Um, and you work with them because you have to, you've got no choice. But actually, the, the idea of that person's actions disturbing you and you thinking negatively mm -hmm. towards them, I might not say anything, mm -hmm. but the fact that I'm thinking it even, but that's because so what, what's I don't agree with the way that they work. Are you in charge of the NHS? No, but I'm just saying, like, my the way of working... OK, there's a right and a wrong, yeah? There's a there's a way of sort, sort of... So if a person was sitting here and speaking to you disrespectfully or putting you down or whatever, I might not be strong enough to say to that person, that's not, that's not nice, OK? But inside me, I'm thinking, what a horrible person. Yeah, but you don't know their background. They may have been to other teachers who, see, they may have had a bad experience, and they they may be wary of another teacher. We don't know their background. Who are you to say how a person should behave? That's your own ego. This is what we're saying. I only exist. I am the doer. I know what's right. I know how everyone should behave. I know best. This is the ego. You may not think it, but this is the ego. This is how it manifests. What's the difference between you and that person? Ultimately, what's the difference? Nothing. You're differentiating with your mind and intellect that that person is like this and like that. What's the mind and intellect? We're trying to get away from it because it's trouble. So it's lack of identification. This is all it is, lack of identification. We're not developed enough to, because the world is such, the mind is such. If we're thinking in these terms, you, you kind of think, God, you haven't developed at all. But you have. The fact that you're questioning even this is from a, a sense of development. Most people don't even question. I'm right, you're wrong. No two ways about it. The fact of even questioning means that there's development. But is the process there for what you were saying, say in a scenario like that? You don't instantly react. You fully think about it and there's a way of addressing it. It's how you change would be the answer, would it not? See, there... You wouldn't sit back and let someone do something bad without intervening. You wouldn't just sit back and go, well, that's his boss and let him carry on or carry on doing what they're doing. If it's having a negative effect on the group of people, you would evaluate and then address it in a manner, would you not? Yes, absolutely. Um, your duty is to make sure that, for example, they may be harming someone or whatever. Your role is to make sure that doesn't happen. But action itself, you're not in a position to say that's right and that's wrong. Okay. Under the scope of working, you can say your behavior is not right. And you may go to your manager and say, this person is behaving badly. Meaning that she's not behaving correctly for this environment. Outside she may behave, that might be her normal behavior. But in this environment, under with working with people, you should not be swearing at me. Correct? So you have a right to, but outside they might be swearing every second sentence. So yes, you have the obligation, you can't say that's her vastness and leave it. I've also found sometimes the person doesn't realize 
they're coming over in that number. So for them, it's <coughs> exactly. You're, you have to understand. If I'm agitated, it's my fault. Nobody else. That's all. There's something wrong with me if I'm agitated. No one should make you agitated but yourself. Only yourself can make yourself agitated. You're right, it is the ego, isn't it? It is the ego. What makes you, agi what makes you feel that is your mind, isn't it? Your intellect. It is the ego. So that's why we need to move away from that. This is what we're trying to do. It's one word, but it's so complex, though, isn't it? The self, Atman, plus body, mind, and intellect is a human. The self is pure. Body, mind, and intellect is the ego. I'm the doer. I only exist. I know what's right. As soon as the I comes in, that's the ego. It's not easy, this subject. It's impossible. It's not impossible. <coughs> you shouldn't even think it. That's the purifying of the mind now. That's why when you do the free yogas, Bhakti Gyan, not, and um, you you develop that purification of the mind, then you don't judge anyone. Sorry, can you repeat what it was that Swami Tapawan said? Even the thought of something negative? It will create a... Well, not, um, I just deleted it, actually. I got it on my other... Last, last week's class, last time's class, I had mentioned it. Even the thought that he said creates negative vastness. So, therefore, whatever actions you perform now make up your future vastness. You need to be careful what vastness you entertain and how you act right now. That's why we're learning this subject, so we can develop our intellect, we can control the vasanas at the thought level, or at the desire level in the mind at least. Vasana, thought, desire, action. Whatever vasanas you have will manifest as thoughts in the intellect, desires in the mind. We can't explain vasanas in words, so we say essence of your personality. It's hard to explain vasanas. Essence of your personality. Your inherent nature. The pro you are the product of your vasanas. See, if you understand vasanas, you understand everything in the subject. When vasanas are a constant flow of thoughts, desires, and actions, when one's vasanas are exhausted, there are no more thoughts, no more desires, no more actions. This state is the state we call self-realization. That doesn't mean when you, when you die, it's gone. When you've actively eliminated all your vasanas. That's the state of self-realization.
Busters and ego, is it is it that the inherent bustness that I have, my inherent personality, is what causes the ego to manifest in a because you can have a Yeah. You can have a somebody can be very egoistic, somebody can be quite egoistic. I like there's le levels of egoism, if there is such a word. Yeah. Different levels of ego, yeah. Is it that my vasanas have an impact on that? I, what, so what causes, so what, is it the ego that's causing my vasanas or is it the vasanas that's causing my ego? Whatever vasanas you have, they manifest as thoughts, desires, actions, which is your ego. So the vasanas creates your ego. What creates this life, body, mind, intellect? Is your vasanas. That is your ego. Now, some people may have a greater ego, some may have a smaller ego. That's based on their vasanas. The ego always stayed. Ego always stayed with yes, the vasanas. So when you have no vasanas, when you've eliminated all your vasanas, you reach a state of self-realization. There's no ego. Because you're one with the self, with the Atman. So there's no ego. There's no body, mind, intellect left. So even if I'm thinking that I Even when I'm thinking that I shouldn't act in this way and I want to achieve A, B or C, even in the spiritual realm, yeah. is that my ego talking? See, what is your goal? I want to become spiritually developed. Yeah. So therefore you're, you're doing something to get out of your ego. So how can that be bad? Yes, it is your ego because your body, mind and intellect can take you there. See, you're confusing ego with, you know, that person's really egoistic. He thinks he knows it all. Yeah. That's how we see ego. Yeah. But we're talking about a different level of ego. We're talking from a spiritual sense, the body, mind, intellect, the fact that you are a human being, that is your ego, the whole package. We're not talking about a person who's egoistic. Forget that. That's different. So just because, you know, when you say oh, ego, we think automatically a person's egoistic, you know. What, a person is egoistic, all he's doing is he's saying he's superior. That's all he's saying. I'm better than you. That's all he's saying. We're not talking about that ego. We're talking about the body, mind, intellect is the ego. And that's what separates you from your true personality. So you're using that, you can only use that, to get out of it. 
See, when you get a thorn in your finger, what do you use to take it out? Another thorn, isn't it? You take another thorn and try and take it out. Same thing, using your body, mind, intellect to remove that through knowledge. Well, so much better. So we still need the ego to be a spiritual. Yes, but because your body, mind, intellect is the ego. But don't confuse it with being egoistic. Okay. Yeah. That's the difference. Are you understand? Yeah, no, you explained it in one of the chapters before. Yeah. The it's okay, we're covering... Yeah, but now, yeah, no. now that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. 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 So don't confuse it. We all have an ego. The fact that we're alive, we're born, we have an ego. Uh, we're just going over a summary of um, what we studied in the last class. Uh, okay. We're talking about action. The right. fact that we're born, we have to act. Okay. Yeah. And we're, we're saying how the best way to act. And the best way to act, we said, is don't worry about the results. Just perform the action. Yes, very funny. If you uh, worry about the action, you can't concentrate on the work. Well, if you're worried about the results, you can't concentrate on the action. That's so this is what we're saying. And we, vasanas, you, 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 we said vasanas. You know about vasanas. That is your inherent nature. That's what makes you the person you are. So the fact that you have vasanas, you can't curb them, especially in the material world, especially in the world. You can become frustrated if you try and suppress it. You can only change them with knowledge, knowledge of the higher. As you said, Sittal, I want to be spiritually developed. So that's knowledge, that's something higher than this world. So therefore, you're using your ego to reach that through knowledge. That's a higher goal you have. So only through higher knowledge you can get rid of it. You have a vasana for unhealthy food. You can only change that by taking a higher ideal of becoming fit and knowledge on healthy eating. Correct. Similarly, vastness for material objects. This can only be overcome by higher knowledge on the meaning of life, reaching that goal of self-realization. You change your actions, then you may change your actions. You, so instead of material objects, you start going to an ashram. You start going to, you meditate. You learn about spirituality. So where is your goal? What is your goal? When you've eliminated all your vasanas, you then reach a state of self-realization, which is described as a state of vasanaless, thoughtlessness, desirelessness. As we said, vasanas, thoughts, desires, action. So a state of self-realization is a state of vasanalessness. No vasanas. No vasanas, no, no thoughts, no desires, and no action. So, um, for the benefit of the newcomers, so we're studying this book, Vedanta Treatise. This book takes us from ignorance to knowledge to wisdom. We're all ignorant of the self, the, our true personality. So this takes you from that ignorance, knowledge of the self, to the wisdom of the self. How? 
it talks about the world, gives us a better understanding of how the world is, and it gives us an understanding of what a human being is and how we function. Sorry, who is this written by? Swami Patasati. It also helps us understand what the goal of life is and how to get to this goal. We're all born in this world, but I have no idea what our real purpose is. We don't know why we're here. What shall we be doing? What is our goal? This is something that is not taught in everyday life, because not many people are aware of it. Christ, Buddha, Krishna, this is what they're talking about. This is your purpose in life. Try and get there. Don't, go, don't get involved in the world. This is what they're saying, but people don't listen now. Everyone is caught up in the world, so they have no time to explore their purpose. Life takes over. So this book takes us from the known, which is all the things we already know. For example, we know the world. It breaks it down and then slowly takes, takes us to the unknown. And in the process, the purpose of life is revealed. When you take us, when you take you from the known to the unknown, in that process, we discover the purpose of life. You've been coming to classes for a year now. You have some idea of the purpose of life now, don't you? Before you started, you didn't, you didn't have the um, understanding. But slowly, we're taking you from what you know to the unknown. And now, is the process, that process has allowed you to discover the, what the purpose of life is. What our role is and what our goal is. Then the choice is yours if you want to achieve it, if you want to go to this, on this path, it's up to you. So the right way to act is with the thought of the self, which is the Atman, Brahman, the spirit in you. Fix your mind on the self, then act. The self is your goal, meaning self-realization. This is what the Buddha achieved. Krishna achieved and many great sages. So any action you perform in the world is to reach that state. That is the ultimate action, to reach that goal. Yeah? It's not for money, name, power. It's to get to that state. In the process you may get all those things. You may get name, fame, power, you become a guru, the world starts recognizing you, yeah? But your goal is still, I need to get to that state. In the process, these things may come up. In you, and if you act in this way, the mind is set on goal of self-realization, and then you act, then all your actions are regarded as divine. All your actions are regarded as worship because whatever you're doing is to get to that state. So all your actions become divine. You don't have to go to a temple. Just whatever, I'm cooking my food. Thinking of you, thinking of the higher. Cooking food becomes divine. You're feeling, fulfilling your obligation to feed the family, but at the same time you're still doing it in the sense of 
thinking of divinity. The world is so attractive we get involved. The five senses are too strong to control and we lose sight of the goal. This is the problem. Isn't it? We forget. We get too involved. The five senses are? Anita, five senses? <laughs> sight. Sight to see the world. Yeah, hearing. Hearing touch. to hear, touch, uh, smell, smell taste. taste. This is how we contact the world. Those five senses, nothing else. So the world is so attractive, the senses are too strong. That's why we can't keep this up. See, you put your finger up. Everybody put their finger up in front of them. Yeah? You focus on the finger, the background is obscure. Correct? You can't see the background. You can only see the finger. And if you focus on the background, the finger is obscure. You can't see the finger. It's out of focus. Correct? Yes. So this is how it is. Where is your focus? If it's, if it's on the self, then the world is blurred. Everything you're doing for the world, for the self. If it is on the world, then the self is blurred. Your goal is blurred. So you need to work, function in the world, but your thought is on how do I get to the goal of the self. This is your true personality, not this body, mind and intellect. So this is what we're studying. That was to explain to you <coughs> what we're doing. This is the goal, everyone's goal in life. Any questions on that? <coughs> Only when you get to that true personality, you'll be, you'll be content. And until then, you will never be happy. Never content. Doesn't matter where you are, what you are. I have a question then. Yeah. So, <clears throat> like we said, one without the other. So it's either with the finger or the background. So how do we go from the real world? Or how do we try to go from the real world to then, to our, ourself from within. So, then I'm always trying to find a way to, to look within. Okay, I think I'm nearly there, but I'm not. I can't say I am. I'm nearly there. First of all, you said the real world. This isn't the real world. I know where you're coming from, but this isn't the real world, first of all. Yeah. And how do you go from there to that? By understanding that it's not the real world. And how do you find out it's not the real world? Through the teachings of the scriptures. This is all Maya. Maya. This is illusion. This is what they're saying. So it's not real. So by the more you understand that, the more you become introverted. Because you don't want to be in Maya. Can I ask you one more question while we're on that subject about yeah. real world and not real world? They say in the scriptures, Dinolog, Dinolog, there are three worlds. So what are the three worlds? I don't know under what context they said. But what they, what the way you've heard it there, I don't know. But the three worlds I know from my teaching is 
the waking world, which is where we're now, the dream world when we're sleeping, and the deep sleep state when there are no dreams and no waking. You know when you say I've had a good sleep, deep sleep state. That is the three worlds I know. But those all three are unreal. This is what they're saying. The fourth world, which is the state of self-realization, that is the reality. And this is what we're trying to achieve. When you say it takes you from the known, the known is the three worlds. Waking, dream, deep sleep. The unknown is the fourth world, which we're trying to achieve. That's actually an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. So this is what we're trying to do here. So let's get back to where we are. So we're talking about action. Action is make all your actions divine. Make all your actions worship. Then you're acting properly. Then you'll get to that state. Think of the higher. What's making me cook? The Atman within me. What's making me work? The Atman within me. What's making me play? Atman within me. Now you're thinking, not my body, not my mind, not my intellect. The Atman. What's making this light? Electricity. Electricity. What's making my car? Electricity. What's making this heater work? Electricity. It's not the heater or the cooler, it's electricity. This is how we need to act in the world with that thought. So, knowledge of Vedanta, which we're studying now, helps one to eradicate one's vasanas, eliminate the vasanas. Vasanas are the barrier to self-realization. And self-realization is a human's goal in life. So, Atman, the self within us, you can say the electricity within us, is covered by vasanas, is enveloped by vasanas. So we use this knowledge or any knowledge that allows you to wipe away those vasanas. Either through experience or through knowledge. Yeah, some vasanas may be so strong that you have to experience it. I want to go to New York. You can't get it out of your system. Yeah. You may have to go there and think, okay, I've been there now, it's gone. Some vasanas' desires are so strong, you have to experience it. You can't get rid of it. Some you may find, you know, okay, I, I don't want to go to Australia, you know, the thought isn't there, it's too far, but New York is near, I want to go to New York. So that vasana for going to Australia may not be as strong. So you may be able to eliminate it through knowledge. It's too far, can't sit for 24 hours. So some desires are really strong, some are not. We cannot understand vasanas because the intellect, mind, is a product of the vasana. So it's difficult for us to understand something which we are made from. We can try and understand it, but it's very difficult to understand completely what vasana is. We can only, we can only understand it from its manifestation, which is thoughts, desires, action. It's very difficult to understand what vasana is. So what would be the English word for a vasana? Nature. There is no English word for it. 
that's what I was you know, there is no English word for explain to my brother on the way here <laughs> same sort of thing and I said Vashna and he said well Vashna in Punjabi means sort of smell doesn't it yeah, yeah it's your essence Vasna, you're absolutely right. Vasna okay, means. Yeah, we pronounce it Vasna. Yeah. Nice aroma. Vasna means essence, by the way. It you're absolutely it right. Yeah. yeah. It means essence. Your nature is your essence. Your essence is so and so. It's the same thing. Vasna. Essence. So. The composition of a human personality is vasana. Even though vasanas are insubstantial, we can't understand it, they form the major part of your personality. If your vasanas are good, then you are good. Bad, then you're a bad person. Vedantic knowledge helps one overcome the limitations of the three material layers of one's personality. So this knowledge helps you to overcome your body, mind, intellect. Eradicate your vasanas. Reach the goal of self-realization. So I'm going to read this uh, paragraph. The basic material composing the human personality is vasanas. You are therefore a substantial form of your insubstantial vasanas. This idea is subtly brought out by the use of camphor in the temple. Does everyone know what camphor is? Yeah? That white, solid thing. Kapoor. A temple has a deity in the innermost sanctum. I don't know if anybody's been to this temple. There are three, we went to, there are three, um, there's a deity in the middle of the temple and there are three rooms around it. In the most sanctum, surrounded by three enclosures, the sanctum is dark where the deity is. A small oil lamp burns at the altar of the deity. The priest lights a piece of camphor from it. The camphor burns away to illumine the darkness within. The light reveals the deity to the devotee's vision. So there's three enclosures. A lot of temples like this in India, by the way. There's three enclosures. You, have to, you, do, you may not understand that you're going through the three rooms to go to the middle. But the deity is in the middle of the temple. There's three enclosures. The three enclosures represent your body, mind, intellect. So you go past your body, mind, and intellect. And in the middle, there is your Atman. So, and it's, it's represented by the deity, the god. The camphor is your vasanas. When they light the vasna, the camphor, it sublimates into the air, your essence, the smell. So that is when you are getting rid of, you're eliminating your desires, your vasnas, that goes into essence, and there is your Atman. The God is lit. Next time you go to a temple, look out for it. That is how their temples are made. The three enclosures are the body, mind, intellect. In the middle is the deity and he lights a camphor, and it lights the deity, so you can see the deity as the Atman. So you said that three separate closures, or one after another to it, get to the... How they, de how they designed it, we don't know. Sometimes you might have three enclosures, and the 
little room in the middle. But you, because you're not looking out for it, you're going straight to the middle room. You, it, you may not be aware of it. We went to that one. Remember in the basement. We didn't know then that what it meant, but now I realise what it what it meant. So that's what it represents. The deity in the middle, which is beyond your body, mind, intellect. The three enclosures. The camphor is your vasnas when it's lit with the fire of knowledge. What is left is your true self. So we don't, we, we just go to a temple, we don't think, what is this? We don't know, because we don't know. So the three enclosures are the body, mind, intellect. Camphor represents vasnas, and the fire represents knowledge. So when you light the camphor, which is solid, turns into vapor. Same happens to your vasnas when you apply this knowledge. Does that make sense? This is how this knowledge works. So in order to light them, you have to... Knowledge. Okay, okay. so you don't have to fulfill them. You just need to... It's within. You say you want to go within. Yeah. With knowledge, you eliminate your desires. What is left is then is your Atman. That's the state of salvation, which is what Buddha achieved, Krishna, all the sages, that's what they've achieved. They're not, they have no interest in They go with a little begging bowl. They don't even want to make their own food. They just, whatever is given, I'll eat. So there's no desires then, even for the food. I want to eat this today. Whatever is given, whatever is given, whatever is given, whatever is given is eaten. Yeah, they, he had a lot of jewelry. He, he put Mr. T to <laughs> So ultimately, this is what we're trying to do through studying this subject, trying to understand our personality, the origins of our nature, and then systematically what we have to, by putting in effort, reach our goal as a human being. So whatever effort we put in to reach the self. This is considered being spiritual. Yeah. Any effort you put in to overcome your desires and reach that state is spiritual. Anything else that doesn't do that is not spiritual. You go to temple and you can put as much money as you want, pray as much as you want, unless you're doing something active to change where you are. It's not, it's not considered spiritual. Whatever you do there may help you, but in the light of things, it's not actually a spiritual act. It may be an aid in the future. All beings act based on their vasanas, yeah? We're all clear on that? Only a human, ha see, now the next question we're gonna be saying is, okay, these are my vasanas. Well, I can't change, what, what do I do? can't help it, I'm a bad person, I'm a bad person. You can't get away with that, okay? We're saying your vastness are such, so you have no control over them? No, that's not what we're saying. I'm a bad, you, does it make sense? We've just said you act based on your vastness, right? So then you can say, well, I'm not responsible for it then. My vastness are bad, what can I do about it? You can't get away with that. <laughs> yeah? All beings. Not stand in a court of law. 
All beings act based on their vasanas. Only a human has a choice of action. Other animals have to act based on their inherent nature. They live a fixed blueprint of life, neither developing nor devolving. A human has the freedom of action. He can be good or bad. He can exhaust or increase his vasanas. A human has inherent in him a facility of self-effort. This gives him the free choice of action, independent of his vasana. One's vasana dictates one pattern of life, but with the use of self-effort, all, all humans have the ability to change this. So all animals have a fixed nature, fixed pattern of life. We can say collective vasana. All tigers are ferocious, will kill. It's their nature. Cows are mild, meek. They have no choice. This is how they function. Cow cannot suddenly become a meat eater. And all cows are like that. So this is a collective vasana for them. All cows are mild, meek, da 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 only a human has a choice of action. He can choose to be good or bad. You have a choice to exhaust vasanas or create new ones by understanding this knowledge. So the question is, if your actions are based on your vasanas, then how can you change it? How can you change it? How can you change it? Knowledge and there is something which is independent of vasanas which all humans have. And it's called self-effort. So they've given that to you, to overcome your vasanas. Self-effort. Only humans have this faculty called self-effort. Self-effort gives you the freedom to act independent of your vasanas. You can say, Vasna set your pattern of life, correct? You're a person, let's say you're dishonest. You lie. You can say, this is my Vasna. But we're saying with self-effort, you can change that. Become conscious of your negative traits. You understand here, uh, okay, I want to become spiritual. Well, you know what? I cheat and lie. I don't think that's very spiritual. Maybe I need to change that. You can put self-effort to change that. From today, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat someone. You can become conscious of your negative traits and correct them. Only a human can do this. You've been given that gift of self-effort. So you can't say, oh, uh, you're understanding, you're studying the subject, your knowledge. You can apply self-effort to change that. This is what we're saying. We said when the thought comes up, you can eliminate it. That's self-effort. I'm not going to do that. That's the self-effort. Why am I feeling like this towards somebody? I need to put in effort to change the way I think. Let me read a bit of scriptures, purify mind, my mind a bit. That's self-effort. My cakes come out really bad, why? Let me go and check on the different recipes. That's self-effort. You're putting that effort in to change what you've already know how to bake this particular recipe. You're changing by putting in that self-effort to, to make it better. That's the self-effort you're putting in. 
So vasanas manifest, but you have that independent factor of self-effort to change that. For the knowledge. Does that make sense? But you can only put that self-effort in if you're aware of it. That's where the knowledge comes in. A person who's not aware will carry on behaving in that way. That's the difference. This is how the knowledge can change the person, your personality, even your vasanas. That's how we can eliminate all your vasanas through that self-effort. Otherwise, we cannot change. Isn't it? We can't change if we're just based on our vasanas. Any questions? When we're thinking about self-effort of changing, I suppose not, or changing our behaviour or whatever, if so, with <coughs> vastness, I'm thinking like I could be selfish, I could be egoistic, I could be full of material desires. There's so much to work on. What would be my priority to work on? Like, because I might think, well, <coughs> desires could be the easier one, but I could be then really egoistic and selfish. And the desire one, just because it's easier, I'm focusing on where should you start? This is what the question is. Yeah, so... Whichever one pricks you the most, you start on that one. What if all three prick you? Work out which one is... Uh, worse. Worst, worse. Okay, what, um, what I would say to that is... In every situation, it's different. Okay, what I would say that to, to you to do in that sense is try and perform the three yogas wherever you can. Okay? That will help you deal with all of your negativity. Now, you may say, well, I can't. I can't perform that. You can. Whatever you're doing, yes, think of it as worship. I'm help I'm working, okay. Think of it as worship. Secondly, you're saying I'm selfish. It's it's selfishness that has created this problem in the first place. Try and become unselfish. Try and think in the sense how can I be of assistance? How can I help? Rather than what can I get? Now you're now you're thinking unselfishly. Whenever that selfish thought comes up, turn it over. Try and make it into an unselfish thought. Those in those are the air kind of areas. Practically, is this a selfish action or unselfish that I'm about to perform? For that, you need to develop the intellect. Is this selfish or unselfish? What I'm going to do now? Evaluate it before you act, if you can. I'm not saying it's easy. This, you know, but, but this is this is the effort we have to put in. That's why there's only ten people in this class, and most people don't want to put in that effort. <laughs> but it's an effort, even at the thought process, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. It's all effort. But just feel privileged the fact that we're able to um, absorb, understand it, and then we have a choice to make. 
if we should do it or not. Most people don't have that decision. That they can they can they can perfect themselves, that they can change themselves, they can become a better human. Most people don't have that ability. Now I'm going to be reading more from this book now because I don't want to miss out on any little detail which will help you understand better. Yeah. So, exercising the choice of action, you must first select a field of activity conducive to your vasanas. From early childhood, childhood, you display a distinct interest, a leaning towards a particular branch of life. It may be science or literature, philosophy or medicine, any field of activity. You would do well to choose the field of your interest, activities which are consistent with your inherent nature. That is called Swadharma. Whereas those which are alien to your nature are Paradharma. These are both Sanskrit words. One means alien and one means conducive to your nature. Swadharma activity helps you progress, evolve in life, while paradigmic activity is detrimental, causing you to regress, devolve. People commit the fundamental mistake of choosing an alien field of activity. Because they have inherited it, or just inconvenient for them to do so, or just convenient for them to do so. The scripture warns you against this error in life. It'll, it will not be in your interest to choose a field of activity alien to your nature. While choosing a field compatible to your nature would promote your material and spiritual growth. Now, what do we understand from that? How do we choose what activity we should perform in life? This is quite important for spiritual growth. A child has tendencies, interests in certain areas, science, literature, engineering. He likes to take things apart and put it together. His vasanas are such. He'll be better off doing something that he has a vasana for. His swadharma. These are activities which are consistent with your nature. Paradharma, as we said, are activities which are alien to your nature. So if you have tendency towards medicine, but your family owns a car mechanic garage, it would be wrong for you to go into that field. You may be forced to. My dad, your dad says, oh, I made it for you. Who's going to run this garage? Look how much money is turning over. Who's going to run it? You may be forced to repair cars, but you, you, you won't enjoy it. Yeah, you may do it, but you won't enjoy it. It might be frustrating for you. Car mechanics is a paradigmic activity for you. Correct? See, when you choose an action that is consistent with your swadharma, your nature, you'll progress and evolve in life, meaning you'll not only enjoy what you're doing, you're eliminating your vasanas. You have vasana for that. You, when you do paradharmic activity, you're creating vasanas which are not conducive to your nature. You're creating new vasanas unnecessarily. If you do what your vasanas are, swadharmic activity, you're reducing your vasanas. You become more productive and you're happier doing what you, what you, is conducive for you. If one chooses activity to one's inherent nature, one will grow materially 
and spiritual. You'd be more successful because you enjoy doing it. it you, your, your nature helps you to do that activity. So therefore you'll be materially more prosperous and spiritually you'll develop. Just, uh, for example, our children. Yeah. Based on that then. Mm -hmm. So what we should do is, although we should encourage them to get as much education as possible, yeah. um, just don't give them any guidance. No, you do have to give them guidance. He wants to be a pilot. Yeah, he, does, he doesn't like flying. When you take him on a plane, he doesn't enjoy it. Yeah. Then he want, suddenly his mate wants to be a pilot. He goes, I want to be a pilot. You have to say, well, son, you know, you can't. You have to see what his nature is. Try and assess what he's good at, what he is not good at. And then promote him to take that field of activity. He won't know, or she won't know. But you have to say, you know, this person, he loves cars, you know, he keeps taking them apart. Maybe, you know, when he's in my car, he's always playing with the gadgets and want to know what this is. So he has that inherent nature where he's curious about mechanics. So you might say, well, you know, course on engineering might be something conducive to him. It's just sort of like trying to find out what would be the age when you decide this. Normally, you'll find that th this nature manifests when they're between 10 and 13. Yeah. yeah, because that's when the intellect is developed. Until then, it's all mind-led. I don't like this, I like that, I don't like that, I like this. So they don't know what they like. Okay. The thinking process only starts between 10 and 13. That's why in, in the Jewish, they have the bar mitzvah, that's when the intellect is developed. In the Brahmins, they have that cord ceremony, that's when the intellect is developed. That's why it's at that sort of age. Until then, they're still a child. They have no, you have to do thinking for them. Tie your shoelace, put a tie on, you know, all those things. <laughs>